0: Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, here we go. Welcome to this hour of the program. Rob Breckenridge with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. Our number 403-974-8255. Same number for your phone calls and your texts. And we'll have some time for both coming up. Much more to get to as well. We've been talking about the upcoming Winter Olympics, certainly more in the context of the host, Whether China is an appropriate host, whether Canada's participation is appropriate, given the concerns uh, around China's government. There's another issue, though, I wanted to explore. And the IOC has has raised some eyebrows with their new guidelines around the participation of transgender athletes. It's not been an issue just for the IOC. I think sporting associations in countries like Canada and around, around the world have struggled with this. You know, certainly there is that desire to be inclusive and ensure that transgender athletes have an opportunity to participate. Me lost in that, though, is a sense of fairness. Is there a biological advantage when it comes to those who were born male over those who were born female? And it's sort of the basis for why there is men's sports and women's sports in international competition. The challenge here for the IOC is how to accommodate those who are born male but identify as female. Because those who are born male, if they're competing against those who are born female, there are some biological realities that come into play. And I, I don't think we can just pretend those don't exist in the name of being inclusive. Is there a, a compromise here? There's an interesting new report out uh, from the McDonald Laurier Institute today. It's called Fair Game. Biology, Fairness and Transgender Athletes in Women's Sport It looks at these issues and finds a potential path forward that could be a compromise. Joining us on the line here this afternoon is one of the authors of this report. Uh, John Pike is a philosopher specializing in the ethics and metaphysics of sport at Open University in the UK. Also former chair of the British Philosophy of Sport Association. Professor Pike, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program.
1: Hello, it's good to be on.
0: We appreciate you joining us here today. Uh, Obviously, you know, the Olympics, the Winter Olympics are two months away. We certainly had this conversation around the recent Summer Olympics. Why is there a need, do you think, to to properly address this and and have this conversation?
1: Well, one reason I think is that the IOC has got it wrong, um, and they've got it wrong in quite a profound way. Uh, So although they're passing the buck to international federations, they've... Uh, Their framework document, I think, makes a mess of some of the issues here. Um, And so the report that's published today by mcdonnell Laurier is an attempt to kind of get back to basics and get some of the concepts and arguments and the science right. And I hope that this can be a guide for international federations going forward.
0: Well, let's talk about, first of all, where where, have they got it wrong? Where where did the IOC go wrong and other sporting associations in, in the current approach?
1: There's a very fundamental question uh, to ask yourself, which is why does gender identity matter in uh, dividing up and categorizing sport? Now, I'm on the left, and I identify politically as as on the left. That's a very important part of my identity. But when I go to a 5K run, uh, they don't ask me what my politics are. They just say, you know, which, which category should you be in? They ask my date of birth, my age category, and they ask my sex, or I put down my sex on the form. Um, so there's a real question about whether g- gender identity, which is a subjective feeling, um, ma- matters at all in sport. This is one of the things that we query in the paper. So we reach the conclusion that sport is about bodies, and there are two types of bodies. And for that reason, there should be two classes in sport. Now, what we do do is offer a new way of thinking about those classes because men do not need to be protected from the point of view of fairness from female-bodied competitors so we can have an open category that is fair for anyone to compete regardless of their body, regardless of their gender identity, regardless of their sex, in fact, but also a female category that is reserved only for people whose sex is recorded as female at birth. So that's our new way of, of, if you like, dividing things up so that we protect a category uh, that is fair for women uh, who are competing in sport.
0: Right, and most sports have these distinctions. I mean, there aren't a lot of examples. I can think of some, some female uh, drivers in, in the field of auto racing. I mean, we have mixed doubles in tennis, but you know, there, there's not a lot of uh, competitions where male athletes and female athletes compete against one another. So there is a reason why we've carved out uh, you know, separate categories for female athletes. Have we sort of lost sight of why these distinctions exist in the first place?
1: Yes, so I think we, we have lost sight. So what I'm advocating is uh, two categories, uh, female and open, in sex-affected sport. So, as you say, equestrianism, auto racing, it's not immediately clear that there's a need for a female category, though I'm not against, for example, the W series in, in auto racing. Right. Um, but in equestrianism, there's, there's, there's not a, a case for two categories. I think, yes, I think those people who foreground gender identity here as, uh, as the determinant of who's in which category have lost sight of the fact that there's a very basic biological advantage, physiological advantage that accrues to men through uh, male puberty, through the process of androgenization that means if we didn't have female-protected sport, then female-bodied people just wouldn't win anything. Uh, so that's why, and we think that's unfair. Why do we think that's unfair? I guess it's because no one chooses to be born in a particular sex. Right. So um, so I think the case for, for, for women's sport is based in that in that in those facts of biology, those facts of physio- physiology.
0: So the categories uh, would be open and female, as you propose in this open report and as you alluded to. Yes. Open and female. Yes. So the female category would be reserved then exclusively for those who were born female. Correct?
1: Yes, that's right. That's right. So you can't identify into that category. Um, if someone has an identity that is not congruent with their sex body, well, you know, we understand that kind of case, um, and they're not required to affirm an identity that is uncomfortable for them or uh, conjures up feelings of um, gender dysphoria. Um, what we say is, look, there's a category that doesn't depend on gender identity at all. That's the open category. You're, um, you're fair, uh, you're, you're, it's open for you to compete in that category, regardless of your gender identity. We're not making, we're not requiring you to make any sort of statement or any sort of assertion about, you know, how you identify. What we do say is that if you Uh, the only people who can compete in the uh, female in uh, the category are people who are recorded female at birth. Now, I suppose some people might say, well, that's not sufficiently inclusive, and I want to take that objection on. Inclusivity Mm -hmm. and exclusivity are, if you like, two sides of the same coin. In the Olympics, when we saw Laurel Hubbard being included into the female weightlifting. At the same time, someone was excluded, of course, because there can only be 12 contestants. Whenever you have a fixed number of competitors, every inclusion is also an exclusion. So it's not the case that we're against inclusion um, and for exclusion. What we want is a, a class in which people are included on the basis of their bodies, uh, so it's not in a way an argument against uh, an argument about inclusion. It's an argument about fairness in sport.
0: Would we still have true fairness in, in the open category, and even amongst those who would be considered transgender athletes, those who were born male? Uh, you know, someone, yep. for example, who who simply chooses to identify as female, who has not gone through sex reassignment surgery, has not gone through hormonal treatment. Uh, as compared to an athlete who has, who has had that surgery, who has had extensive hormonal treatment, there, there seems to be, there would be some substantial differences between the two, wouldn't
1: there, in, in this there, context? There might be differences between people who, who decide to go through uh, hormonal treatment and those who don't. We're talking about... Um, male-bodied people here. Now that's true and it's true that hormonal uh, treatment would put you at something of a disadvantage in the open category. I'm not sure that that's unfair. What I do think is unfair is uh, what is a problem and what is unfair is that people who have retained male advantage competing in the women's category. So um, that it, it it's, it's a straightforward kind of biological understanding, scientific understanding of the world that you do retain male advantage, and so it's unfair for you to compete in the female category. If people choose to take um, uh, cross-sex hormones or get sex reassignment, that's, of course, fine, and sport should be open to people. We don't want to exclude anyone from playing sport It's just a matter of distinguishing um, a category that is available for people who lack male advantage and for whom it is not fair for them to compete against people who retain male advantage, and that includes all trans women.
0: Look, I think you present a logical case, and if the conversation were merely on the biological merits, then you know perhaps this would resonate. It does seem as though, and you alluded to it as well, that this has become more of a political conversation, and biology is almost irrelevant in that context. I mean, is this likely to change any time soon?
1: Well. It depends. I mean, I don't know the politics of the IOC terribly well, but I know there, are, there is some conflict going on there. Um, I think as well as being a political question, it's also a kind of philosophical question, which is one reason I'm interested in it, mm-hmm. about the nature of fairness and the nature of particularly the nature of fairness in sport and the value of fairness for uh, competitive sport. What is the point, really, of a competition that is unfair? What is the value of a competition that is unfair, where we know that some people in that competition have advantages that other people can't possibly get? And we know that those people are doing well, perhaps not winning, but doing well in that competition because of a sort of advantage that they get from birth that is unavailable to others. Um, So I think, yes, it's political. Um, There are areas of life in which sex matters rather than gender identity. Um, And this is perhaps the most obvious one, but there are others and it seems to me that we need to think carefully about policy options across a range of uh, contexts and areas and think, which are those uh, areas in which sex and bodies matter, and which are those in which subjective um, ideas of gender identity matter. And if we can make that careful kind of policy calculation, saying sometimes it's sex that matters, sometimes it's just gender identity that matters, um, then we can get some sort of uh, fair and equitable solution that people can maybe be happy
0: with. Very interesting. The report is called Fair Game, Biology, Fairness, and Transgender Athletes and Women's Sport. Uh, it's available at mcdonaldlaurier.ca. Dr. Pike, thank you so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this.
1: It's been a great pleasure. Thank you, Rob.
0: All the best, sir. Uh, That is uh, John Pike, one of the authors of this report. He is a philosopher specializing in the ethics and metaphysics of sports at Open University UK, also former chair of the British Philosophy of Sport Association. So what do you make of the case they lay out here? Instead of having male and female sports and your participation, depending on how you identify, to have it open and female. And female would be reserved exclusively for those born female. Everyone can participate, and the open category does not force you to identify as something you're not uncomfortable identifying as. Would that work? 403-974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons
1: with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.